bubble bath, books, LPs? Isn't it time you got what you wanted for Christmas? Well, here it is, the three-part pull-out festive supplement from the Peggy Mount Pod Internet Cast. There's hours of old television reviews just packed with drinking, swearing, and misremembering facts that will go on to play a pivotal part of an imminent cultural nitpick. It's the Peggy Mount Pod Christmas Calamity Cavalcade, and it's yours for the clicking. Collect all three issues throughout December and get a bonus Hogmanay outing, complete with added scotch. It's Peggy Mount Pod. It's Christmas. It's exactly what you expect it to be. I I know that this laugh is recorded elsewhere and inserted there at like the top of the show. I already despise the sound editor. Yes. Just for apparently giving me permission to laugh at a tree. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yes. And Ballard Barkley shouts, a tit. If they really were that hammered at this point, why didn't Marigold Denham get given to my mouth the country wife? Now, <laughs> exit, stage left. Are you all right? Hello and welcome to the second Christmas cracker from the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here because someone mentioned there was going to be a flash mob performance of a recreation of the 1983 title sequence to Dallas in an hour's time. In the meantime, we have with us, speaking live from a bucket in Skegness... Is a man whose underwear plays the theme tune to Lost in Space when exposed to UV light. It's Mr. Ozzy Bognops. How did you know that, gentlemen? It's lovely to see you both. <laughs> I've read The Toilet Walls in Pizza Hut. Oh, um, God, not again. I yeah, wish he wouldn't again. write that. It's That number's always engaged. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, anyway, where's me glass? Yes, hello to you all. Thank you for dropping into our fulsome and frivolous fractionation of festive television where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from the drinks cabinet because here, all snow-ploughed roads lead to the mountain. If you go over to PeggyMountPod.com, info for the episodes where there's customers in the show notes, you can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, or ask us why we haven't put in an emergency last-minute order to the happy shopper for more port yet. Speaking of which, before we test the operational limits of self-induced Stockholm Syndrome, gentlemen, I've got to ask, what are you drinking? My tour of the department stores continues. Right. Harrods Californian Cabernet Sauvignon. Good Lord. Paso Robles. I can't do that anymore since I hurt me back on the radiator. Anyway, it's canny. It's nice. It's nice. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Bognops. Port! <laughs> and I have taken a leaf out of your book, good doctor, sir, because I have taken a sort of... An extravagance of port this time. That's the title of your autobiography, isn't it? Volume 4. An extravagance of port. (laughs) Absolutely. And I am drinking Doggett's Number 2. Beautiful. Beautiful. Nice. That's that's some rare shit. You are no dummy, are you? No, I have to cut myself a slice of it every every so often. (laughs) That's lovely. Uh, Mr Blackout. As usual, I'm being common on the beer and I've got a bottle of... Christmas Porter by the Eagle Brewery in Bedfordshire. By the Eagle Brewery in and Bedfordshire. And where are they? Bedfordshire, okay. Yes. Eagle Brewery. Do they have a Twitter handle? No idea. I haven't looked it up. 
Well, if you've got a website, gentlemen, you know what to do. All we're saying is, you've got a brewery, we've got an address. Knock yourselves out. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah. All right, on to tonight's festive delight and an immersive experience so intense you'd actually think you were there. Up to the tits in tinsel in Barnes in 1985 with Ballard Barkley. Someone get me a TARDIS. Fresh Fields was a Thames television sitcom written by John Chapman, which aired on the ITV network and ran for 27 episodes of a four series. It starred Julian McKenzie and Anton Rogers as Hester and William Fields, a middle-aged suburban couple from Barnes in West London who find themselves suffering empty nest syndrome. Comedy arises from the discord between Hester, who wants to pursue a new tranche of life-enhancing hobbies and experiences, and William, who would happily just die if it meant getting a minute's peace and quiet. A ratings winner during its run, the series returned in a later guise as French Fields, where Hester and William moved to the continent, and later as Koresh Fields, where the pair relocated to Texas and start a religious cult. But we watched the series through Yuletide Bolton, A Dickens of a Christmas, originally broadcast at 6.45 in the evening on December the 25th, 1985. It's Christmas in the Fields house, and that's it. That's the setup. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pegs. Eleven, twelve. And same for me. This has an amazing theme tune to start with, this show. Oh, yes. Yeah. But for this particular episode, we get the, the extended Christmas mix. No, we what we get is it, it repeated and looped over itself twice. That's what we get with cheapskate <laughs> Thames television sleigh bells overdubbed. That's see what, what we get. Yeah. See, what's yeah, happened yeah. there, Dr Velvet, right, is, like, you've picked something you loved and you've invited in an expert to pick it apart. Uh, yeah, well, yes, and when he gets here, then we'll discuss. But until Hurrah. then... <gasps> but, however, this is a delightful theme tune. I'm totally with you on that, Doctor. It is, of course, Harry Stoneham, ex-Parkinson... Oh, that yes. Dorista, um, his version of Pick Yourself Up. Now, I presume the reason they've used this is because of the words start all over again, because that's that right. appears to be what Hester's they're doing. starting her life all over again. She hits 40 and she wants to start again, yeah. It appears to have the slap bass line from Gran. Right? It, well, to be fair, it is Gran that's playing it. It very likely is. <laughs> Probably with something involving a bicycle wheel, string and hair. Bit of trivia for you. Fresh Fields was originally devised as a UK spin-off of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, with Hester and William as the other aunt and uncle agreeing to look after Will when he gets in trouble with the Los Angeles police. Five episodes were written and rehearsed, but the idea was canned when Will Smith broke Ballard Barkley's jaw following an off-colour joke about his wife. It's true that you can look it up. I think I'd better. Now, gentlemen, we've been here before with two-hander sitcoms of this nature. Yeah. Do we Mm -hmm. think that the opening filmed laugh track um, narrative is rather reminiscent of Terry trying to find June at a train station. Well, I'm glad you mentioned this because, yeah, William and Hester, they're in their front garden. Um, They walk around from the back of a huge fir tree. William's pushing a wheelbarrow, right? Hester's carrying a pair of sizeable stars, one of which will go on the top of the tree. Tips, joke. And the studio audience... Not before that. The studio audience laugh. The audience laugh... At them having walked around a tree. Yeah. 
Well, now, uh, I, well, I well, know that this laugh is recorded elsewhere and inserted there at, like, the top of the show. I already despise the sound editor. Yes. Just for apparently giving me permission to laugh at a tree. Yes, I'll give you that. The, the title sequence, this is not, by I stress, the normal title sequence, obviously, because it's seasons, Christmas, etc. Usually yeah. it's an animated title sequence. That's yes, right. Yes, yeah. And quite brief. Now, but this, this was very but My weak, only memory I of that title say. sequence is... A, a silhouette of Julia McKenzie pedalling an exercise bike. That's the only thing I can remember about it. And yeah, Anton Rogers in a rocking chair. Well, yeah, again, it. if, me- yeah, if memory right. serves, she's, like, doing all sorts. And, like yes. I said, he's, it- just, he's just trying to get on. Yeah, he's just cracking on him. Uh, you know? Uh, but this was, this was a very weak sort of opening to it. However, they've already earned their stripes because it's been given Christmas Day peak viewing. Yeah, no, it so, absolutely has, yes. This is... You know, top of the tree. So obviously, Anton Rogers has broken out his burgundy Cuban heels. Yes. He Why would he you has. go up a pair of stepladders in Cuban heels? This is—is is this casualty? Not right. It nearly right. was. As much as I love this program, this this visual little bit at the beginning is very weak. I don't think it was a good idea. I have to say, it picked up from here. We 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 move on from there. Things just pick up. They do indeed. And the first scene, we're in the kitchen. I loved. The Fields' Kitchen. I See, really this is this is the only this is my only endearing memory of the program. That powder blue kitchen set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which apparently is the size of Southwark Cathedral. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they live in Barnes. It's very posh there. Um, apparently so. <laughs> what I'll never get is you don't see this in this episode. But what what I'll never get is so Hester's mother, who we see later in the episode. Yeah. Uh, she lives in the granny flat, uh, which is just down the way. It's literally across the yard from their back door. And it's up about three flights of steps. She's cracking on the woman. Why are they giving her all them steps to walk up? She's literally up a height. <laughs> because then she can be a stereotypical mother. You know, 13th floor of a tenement flat. It, <laughs> it, it's, it's massive, the place. The only reason is because she can have a piss in the stairwell and nobody would know. There, there. <laughs> you know. I mean, what we see here is two... All pros going through very comfortable motions and clearly modelled on some kind of comfortable middle-class American-style sitcom, you hear, it's only Sonia, and she gets a round of applause, yep. to which she reacts. Yep. It's only Sonia. <laughs> she fucking walks in, seeing her one catchphrase, grinning like yep. a competition winner... I could cope with her saying, it's only Sonia, if that character referred to herself in the third person all the time. Yes. Right. right. <laughs> but, but that doesn't happen, so you're just like, oh, come on, mate. It's, yeah. By this point, yeah, you know, end of series three, she's fucking stuck with that. She's got no But choice, she also mate. wins the Thames Television Teabag Award for having the most number of accents per sentence. I think, <laughs> ultimately, she's trying to be Julie Walters and failing miserably. <laughs> Anne Beach, uh, who played Sonia... Um, was not the best actress in the world, but a scene stealer nonetheless. You're right. That only Sonia thing got a bit of a uh, got a round of applause. To be fair, um, I know she. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got a reasonable IMDb profile, but this is the only role I remember her for. I see her first. Yes, I think a fresh absolutely. Fields. Fair play. You know, she's cemented her role in that. That's absolutely fine. This entire kitchen thing, though. This, I'm glad it opens the show because straight away it underlines the most unnerving thing I always found about the series then and now, 
Go it's on. that Julia McKenzie acts like she's constantly speaking through gritted teeth. And it means I can't oh. relax. I, ca- I can't relax in her company because of that, because it just feels like she's about to pull out a pint glass and go for Anton Rogers. Whenever she's in anything, I can't relax, but especially this, because this is meant to be like cosy sitcom. Mm. But, you know. Maybe I was shit-faced because I actually didn't say that. No. As a couple, they make for a very believable couple, warm right. and believable, and I think they rattle through the script without effort. It, it, because they are two pros, they know what they're doing, and yeah. they make it very... They make the fact that they're a married couple very believable. In comparison, they're a council estate, Jonathan and Jennifer Hart. Oh, right. totally. Absolutely. And you know what I love is it's not just her, it's him. Because he was actually yeah. quite an acclaimed serious actor. But yeah, he, he was. was very good at comedy. Very oh, good. Oh, don't get me wrong. As much as it sounds like I'm Luke Wolfman on this, I do love Anton Rogers in this. That kind yeah. of world-weary demeanour he's got. He's just trying to get the fuck on. It pretty much matches me watching this programme. <laughs> Anton basically plays sitcom dad. While everyone else in the show just takes turns shouting at each other. No, everybody else plays sitcom something. Sitcom mother-in-law. Sitcom father-in-law. Sitcom next-door neighbour. It's only Sonia. Sitcom secretary. But they do it... They do it in a very refreshing way. It's cliched, oh, yeah. but not but not cliched. I have written I here what with Sonia, mother, um, <laughs> Ballard Barkley playing Fred Emney playing the major from Faulty Towers, the secretary. I mean, fucking hell, could they just not have called this invasion of the stereotypes? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but stereotypes make a sitcom. <laughs> Mind you, you <laughs> gentlemen, I've already bought a pullet. Why does that get such a big laugh? Is it take two by any chance? I wonder. I think it's because the audience is pissed. But There could be that. Well, certainly the cast are, as we find out later on. Exhibit A, gentlemen. The butchers close at 5.30 and there's a knock on the door and a whole thing about driving the car. Now, that would have been two episodes in, you know, in 2021 or something. <laughs> but in 1985, sorted. You know my feelings on farce. I don't like it. Yeah. This, yeah. this potentially, the red alert was going when I first watched this, annoying farce <laughs> about to happen, but no, it was remedied right away in an amusing way. That's what I like. That's it. And it was something sorted. else. That the thing that makes this episode for me, as a, a person bound forever, tooth and limb, to the music profession, is unlike a man leaning on an organ keyboard, as we had in Record Breakers... I love the Fender Rhodes piano links between scenes because that's yes, clearly they could afford one man playing a Fender Rhodes piano. That was the <laughs> break, that was the stings, and they had the end sig and the opening sig. I yeah, yeah, love yeah. that because that actually just makes it even more cozy. That sound is just and right. also the traditional archetypal sitcom linking chord, which finishes every single link. Yes, that's right. What That's I right. do have to do is very quickly amend my Christmas list to get some of that Harrods wine, because apparently when you're drinking the Harrods wine, you can watch a cack-handed farce and not see farce. Is that right, Dr Velvet? No, no, there is farce. Of course there's farce. There's <laughs> the farce. Where you said, oh, it was all right, it was saved. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't no. mind that it was farce. I like farce. But, you know, there was at no point was I thinking, oh, the farce is saved. No, it just got worse until it went through the other end. The fact is, they weren't going to drag this out to, oh, it's a mad dash to the butchers and all the rest. I, oh, I, yeah, I no, no, yeah, fair play to that. That's only because yeah. they couldn't afford more film footage from outside. It's, it's because it they had to be, be contained in the house. 
Yes, which we've is, gone which past is good. the um, we've gone past the lounge set that looks like someone's covered the furniture in spray mount and then ram raided B and M's Christmas aisle. That's right. <laughs> well, they do make a comment. That is part of the, the you know Sonia does mention yeah, it looks Sonia. like selfridges that that Hester has overdone it, which she tends to do. Yes. Um, one thing about the living room, I know you two aren't well versed with the series as such, but I do watch the box set of this every year. Um, every time we cut to a scene in that room. William and Hester have a drink. I mean, this is a pisshead. This is a pisshead sitcom, no doubt. That I'm absolutely fine with. Sign of the times. Um, don't wait up. Famous sitcom. Tony Britton, yeah. Nigel Havers. <sighs> Drinks in the hand all the time. There was whiskey flowing in a lot of sitcoms. So much so that there was regulation put in, and they had to tone it right back. I thought you meant the thing like in um, in That's My Boy, where they're like, if you're going to drink on set in the program, you've got to show the label. Drinking and acting, we know never quite works and the thing i love is okay the very simple basis to hit however when marigold denham the secretary who appears to be stuck together by fucking stamp paper and played by a female version of frank williams falls over in the doorway when she arrives clearly that was unintentional but clearly julia mckenzie who could not ad lib a fart after eating a goulash clearly just decided, okay, from here to the end of this entire episode, barring the scene in bed at the end, is basically half a page of script and just drink and fucking improvise. Maybe it's my naivety, but I perceived her slip on the step as a little technique to show the awkwardness of her character because she was nervous about being there and she's frightfully... An, well, an awkward character. Anyway, she's very shy. She's not used to socialising. And I thought that was an embellishment on her character. But she didn't say anything. This is the point. It was like she just fell over She fell over on the carpet because it really did look like she was going to go a fucking length. This is what and... I like about Christmas with you, Dr Velvet. You're so generous. I am. I am. <laughs> it can truly be said I'm full of Christmas spirit. Um, <laughs> and in fact, I'm onto the second bottle. I'll tell you what we have skirted over. Uh, two points, first of all. We, we do see William's office, and I would love to give his nets a dip. That's not yes, a euphemism. Yes, yes, yes. And also, uh, Miss Denham, who you mentioned, um, was she was first brought to my attention. She plays the rather embittered village shopkeeper into the manor born. Right. And a completely different character at that. She's a very feisty, vicious little woman in that. So um, fair play to the actress. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. All good on that score. So, um, just a shout out to some of the characters. Nancy, who is Hester's mother, um, played by Fanny Rowe, always sounds like she's been on the gin since seven a.m. Probably has uh, filming those, uh, right? Um, but in every other episode, she always sounds pissed. <laughs> uh, it's six a.m. as a Christmas special, I think. Yeah, um, the plot, which we've completely forgotten to chat about. That's all right. So did the script. Hester and William's daughter can't come to Christmas Day. They've just recently been married. They're going to the in-laws, so they're going on Boxing Day instead. William and Hester, oh, we're going to have a lonely Christmas. No, he invites his secretary, the mother, the father, the neighbours. Everybody comes round for Christmas. And there we are, sitting round the table, having Christmas lunch. No, 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 but we before, are... before we even get to that, there's a joke. There's a scripted joke. Oh, which 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 one? Which one? It's, it's the bit where <laughs> me, 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 Mrs. Penrose, right? And Sonia. Yeah, but both of them, right? They, <laughs> they both meant they 
both made mince pies for the next day. That's hilarious. You're being nasty and it's a Christmas. <laughs> Come on. All right. It's more, it's more it's... the fact that it happens so cack-handedly twice where you're like, I know there's a third one coming because yeah. I know that John Chapman cannot resist the rule of three. I know this is coming back again, but he can't be bothered to spread out the first two. Right, okay. Because uh, he obviously... I don't mind that. If there's one thing I do every Christmas, it's sitting around thinking, oh, there's too many mince pies. Never. Not in a million fucking years. I will eat mince pies all fucking day, every day. Just give me them. That's fine. John Chapman is from the same comedy school as Roy Clark with the rule of three. So, you know, <sighs> you can't you can't diss him for that. that um, well, I can't because I can diss both of them for that. Anyway. Well, <laughs> what I will say is this. It's not very often. It is not very often you're watching a sitcom and you get a fully free promo for another ITV programme, including the rules of the game. Just the one. Another Thames well, television programme, gentlemen. Well, yes, again, we'll get onto this. Just the one, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, um, we're at the Christmas lunch set now. We are. I um, love that, because of the layout of the cast sitting around the dining table, any shots where John and Sonia are facing the camera have had to be filmed on a different day. It looks like they're sitting in front of a blue screen. <laughs> yes, it does. Okay. Although it is very nice to know that in a break with sitcom tradition, they are sitting around both sides of the table. Yes, no, no, that's correct. what I mean. But but only John and Sonia are sitting on the far side of the table, and because there was only money for one camera, when you want to get them to on camera, that's it. That's it. No, no, no. You come back on Thursday, film your scenes. We'll do your. We'll do them laughing at your jokes. That's fine. They'll definitely go in. <laughs> yeah. No, we get the full rules to give us a clue. We get uh -huh. a promo for it. We get a Lionel Blair joke. By the way, can I just spin back to uh, when Sonia, the neighbour, first arrives? What's she got on? Because she looks like metal fucking Mickey. She really does. <laughs> I. I mean, you know, sparkly silver tight leather trousers. Give me a fucking break. You two are meant to be on her side, because I'm not. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> I would wear this. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so we... Um, it rumbles on, and we get into the living room. And I'm not... I'm, I'm going to come out with it right now. I want to be there. Right, you know what? All I'll say is, fucking finally. It, f yeah, well, it finally fucking picks up here. We're 25 minutes in. Hang on, hang on, finally. If this had been set three minutes in, all in the living room, you would... You would Burn this alive, you. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no, no. True. Everything up until now has just clunked its way through. There's no story. It's just, oh, it's Christmas, mince pies. Ah, ha, 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 ha. There's the turkey. What more do you want? You know what I mean? Um, There's the guests. Uh, There's the family. But you know what? I have a question for both of you. Why mm. do I get the feeling that this, from here on, from the Lionel Blair joke onwards... Why do I get the feeling this was about half a page of script and two bottles of sherry? This is why I like it. This is why I yeah. like it from this point onwards. Yeah. Well, one of the things I especially laughed really loud at and said I know exactly, the I know exactly what this is going to be. Deep in the Heart of Texas joke. Because my question for you two was going to be do we think there was a degree of improv? Definitely. For this sure. charade segment. They're in the lounge, they're playing charades. Everyone's got to get a go. And I just get the impression that this took days to film, but everyone's having such a great time that they didn't mind. Yes. It's yes, longer absolutely. than anything else in the episode. It's the only segment which, fuck it, which actually works. 
Everyone's yeah. relaxed. Yeah. There's an air of spontaneity, yeah. which is completely lacking in the rest of the show. That's why I think it's not entirely scripted. They will have beats they've got to hit. The most beautiful moment of the entire 37 minutes is when the neighbour Sonia is trying to act out Batman and Robin. And clearly she's wearing a red waistcoat and she's pointing to her red waistcoat in the chest area, trying to signify that this means a Robin red breast. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And Ballard Barkley shouts, a tit. And then she puts both hands pointing to both and a pair of tits. Well, I I, I choked on me cherry, May. I I was ill. Not content. Ballard then goes in, after that point, for a Dolly Parton joke. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you know what? BBC wouldn't have let that through at 6pm on no. Christmas Day. Quite frankly, True. I am amazed that this made the cut for a mainstream sitcom. <laughs> on but the I also of that have day. something that I want to add to this, which is, if they really were that hammered at this point, why didn't Marigold Denham get given to my mouth the country wife? Now... <laughs> that didn't make the cut! <laughs> Well, if it took three days, I reckon that was day three, absolutely all day, just trying to do that. It didn't make the cut, because her, her first go with that, there were members of the audience, like, had to be fucking taken away and said, hey. <laughs> Yes. This, is, this, this scene is just wonderful. I will say, by the way, they do repeat this uh, similar setup in a later episode, but it's not Christmas, and it's uh, a few of them playing Trivial Pursuit in the right. living room, and it, okay. it's right. to a similar... So a similar thing. And it was around the time in that uh, mid-80s period where Trivial Pursuit was first released. Yes, and that was a big became thing. became a yes. thing. Yeah, so, and mm-hmm. they jumped on that and uh, had a little thing. It does feel they did capture the traditional family sitting in the living room piss up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, I love that it's in this section here where we've already had Give Us a Clue. It's basically Sonia's job. Just a name check of the Thames television shows. So she yes. goes through, play your cards right, and what's my line? And it's like, That's fucking right. hell, calm down. Um, small point of order here. Play your cards right was London Weekend Television. Uh, other point of order. I know it's London Weekend Television, but I did Google it, and they're effectively the same company, just broadcasting on separate days. I'm <laughs> 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 like, fuck it, it's the same people. It's for, for the purposes of this podcast, it doesn't matter. So what we're looking at here is... It is him. I think, yes, I would agree with about 30% of that was improv, I would suggest. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd say 20% of it was alcohol, yep. and I'd say the rest was scripted. But yeah. the result is fucking beautiful. Agreed. Now, I have a question for you, Dr Velvet, as a fellow nine-pegger, potentially. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did you think that when Hester put the... Um, the shorty nighty on at the end. Did you think that's all she was going to be wearing? I mean, that's the point of that of that little segment, isn't it? You think she's going to, you know, because of the camera angle. Oh, she's putting the nighty on. Um, yes, of course. But, but, I, no, I, I didn't. It's Christmas Day, so no, that's not going to happen. You know what? For most of that scene, I'm just thinking, for the love of God, make it stop. When they finally cut to that gag, I'm like. That's that was going to be the only good outcome here. So fair play. There's one thing I would like to say, gentlemen. Uh, despite the 20 minutes we've just edited out, is that I do like the fact, and I know you'll hate this blackout. I like the fact that there's no honesty time or serious stuff. It's just laughs yeah. all the way. 30 okay. odd minutes of laughs. 
that makes me very warm and happy inside. Okay. So does drinking so much port that I piss down my leg and don't feel it. Exactly the same feeling. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. This programme is for people who have been on the drink all day, stuffed themselves sackless, and they're now sat in front of the telly vegging. It's just perfect. It's a laugh. It's a giggle. That's all it is. That's all it's there to be. One final question. Why is this mm. called a Dickens of a Christmas? Um, because... There's one, there is one throwaway line. God bless us, everyone, which was... Yeah. And uh, other than major. that, Charles Dickens and his works factor in precisely no way into this plot. And therefore, um, Dr Velvet, how many of the nine pegs are you going to pin on Hester's 90? This is what a sitcom is all about. Specifically, this is what a Christmas episode of a sitcom is all about. Celebrating the festivities with the characters you've bonded with over the previous series. This episode is nothing short of a cosy, drunken afternoon with people you like. It should have been made into a movie. Nine pegs. Good man. I am so happy to hear that. Mr. Ozzy Bognops. Um, for me, harmless, no challenging stuff, no deep stuff, no emotional stuff, nothing but laughs. I really enjoyed it. As you say, should have been made into a movie. Maybe was just about the right length for it not to be. Nine pegs. Come on, Grinch. What you got? <laughs> this is the thing. Um, I think it's very stagey and not in a good Wrong. way. Wrong. Fresh fields. Wrong. Freshfields Christmas is the epitome of give the audience what they want, not what they need. And it's perhaps the most telling aspect that this festive episode doesn't get going until it appears that most of the cast have opened the port and stopped paying attention to the script. Five out of nine. One, two, three o'clock. Incorrect o'clock. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, Mr Ozzy Bognops. The question on every annoying neighbour's lips is how many Oni Sonyas will it take you to conga up the mountain? The answer is the amount of turkeys I would stuff. One. This fresh field is inhabited by Julia McKenzie, who was in Night of 100 Stars with. Peggy Mount. She'd do better with a bowl of mint sauce. Thank you. Very good. Thank you very much, gents. Thank you. Very good. Ah, oh, Dr. Velvet, what about yourself? Unos. This fresh field is visited by Zulima Dean, who appeared in three episodes of John Brown's Body with... Peggy Bout. Oh, Mildred, I am glad you're here. OK. That's really yeah. good. Brevity is the soul of wit, Doctor. Mr. Blackout. Well. This fresh field is created by writer John Chapman, who also penned 1956's Dry Rot, which starred... Peggy Mount. I suppose that's the Christmas fairy. Brilliant. And not only did she star in it, but she also suffered from it, I'm told. <laughs> right? Oh, OK, that's that, folks. The field that is fresh. I'm off to order my Canine and Company Christmas jumper, complete with knitted portrait of Bill Pollock on the front. So in the meantime, Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thanks once again for being with us. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyManPod at gmail.com or we are PeggyManPod on all of your favourite socials. 
If you're feeling festive, you can give us five stars on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to us. Don't forget to go to PeggyManPod.com to check out the show notes for this, all of our other episodes, and have a browse of our online shop for products which almost certainly won't arrive before Christmas. Hashtag still buy the things anyway, though. It's as simple as that. It really, really is. Okay, we'll be back for our final ultra Christmassy cracker of the year before the big day next week. Until then, keep hugging! Peggy Man Calamity Hour is a free podcast from Michael Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyManPod.com. So, we are at the end of Freshfield's Christmas special. There's one thing <laughs> in closing. <laughs> we are, we are, and only because, and only because tried, we have to be. I tried, shy Ben's getting out. Come on, Sherlock. She's not Captain Dorby. She's not <laughs> Captain Dorby. <laughs> put, it, put it through a, a pitch shifter. A drop full of concrete being dragged up a, a slope. Yep. Mate, to put be a fair, vo- Put a voice through the pitch shifter. She's like, come on, Sherlock. Right well, in the dark fair, box. I love how could... much of this isn't going in. <laughs> 38 <laughs> minutes, there's not a fucking minute of this going in. I can't. We may as well press stop because none of this can go out. And I the know, credits go up in that's, silence. That's, if anything, that's why I'm enjoying it now.